Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 382 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the itchy, hey, fevery, itchy, itchy, itchy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to the Spring Equinox Module of the Psycho-Spiritual Wheel of the Year. I, despite being so itchy, I'm itchy six months out of the year. You might notice that I sound nasally half of the time. <laughs> it's because I have, I have hay fever and seasonal allergies that run all through spring and all through fall. And because Los Angeles basically moves from spring to fall, <laughs> they just, the older I get, the longer these stretches seem to be. And so I just am always itchy. But despite that, despite the itchy nose and the watery eyes, I am loving, I'm loving spring. I'm loving all the signs of spring because we had so much rain here. This year that, one, California is now officially no longer in a drought, which is extremely exciting. Two, the super bloom is back, and we are definitely going to be taking, my kid and I will be taking road trips to go check out the super bloom. If you've never seen the super bloom in Southern California when we've had a rainy year, it's pretty spectacular. It looks fake. It looks like... God just took a giant spray can and spray painted the whole mountain purple or orange or bright yellow, often consecutively. So it's like purple mountain, orange mountain, yellow mountain. It's so vivid and so bright. People go just they we all run out into nature either in our cars <laughs> to drive by the super bloom. For those of us that are true nature lovers, we actually get out of our cars and go hiking through it because it's absolutely gorgeous. The third thing is butterflies. I was standing in my kitchen a couple afternoons ago and I looked out the window and I swear it was fake. It looked like a movie. I keep saying it's fake because I guess when something just looks so extraordinary and it looks like some like CGI or something out of a movie. It just kind of blows my mind that way. And this was one of those moments. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of butterflies all over my backyard, like flitting around. So I went outside and they looked like little baby monarch butterflies. They were orange and black with a little bit of brown. And I was so enchanted and excited about it. And then later when I went back in the house... The first thing I saw was uh, news from California Sun that we had, I think they said 5 million. They estimated it was 5 million additional butterflies in Southern California for this migration they do north from Mexico every year, this time of year. And that's why we were all like freaking out. This whole year has been so interesting because it snowed in L.A., 
which it hasn't done in like 60 years or something like that. So, <laughs> or in the, maybe it was in the 60s. Not in my lifetime have I ever seen snow in LA. And it was just like a snow that those of you who live in the snow would laugh at, like melt before it hits the ground kind of stuff. It like lightly dusted some lawns in some part of Los Angeles, but it has been a very strange year. And, and now everything is just, I hope that this is symbolic of how it's going to go in the lives of those of us who have had a very challenging year. You've probably heard me talking about faith and fear and how I've been really going deep, I think, into the shadows to find like what, where, what, where, why, how, what is this niggling fear I feel that is keeping me from stepping fully into my faith? I talked about that in the last episode here, and I want to follow up on that. So this episode is going to be all about faith once I stop rambling here and get into it. But I have had since actually December of last year, like rolled into this year, so many unfun surprises, mostly financial. I think the one deeply personal thing was when my beloved Otis died. He was an old man. He was 14 years old, my cat Otis, who I called my soulmate cat. So it's not like it was an untimely death, but it was very unexpected and sudden. He died on the solstice. And that kind of launched me into, I can't even talk about it still. We're coming up on spring equinox without getting all choked up about it. And, but it launched me into a little grieving period. But then in addition to that, all of these huge expenses, unexpected expenses kept popping up. And I told you about my home, that uh, my landlord wants to sell my home. And that was the piece that, you know, I was trying to like, do some magic around this that like, okay, I am going to keep my home. This is going to be an upgrade. And we're going to get a brand new landlord who actually takes care of this place instead of letting it fall into rot. That sounds very hopeful and awesome. But the climate right now in the city I live in, the real estate climate is one of The city I live in is one of the most expensive neighborhoods to live in in the United States for renters, and they're having an affordable income housing shortage. And so it's a really, it's a hot button issue right now, and we are actually now being thrust into that. So that was like giving me the shaky faith, shaky faith bad. (laughs) And since I have talked to you, one more thing has been thrown into the mix. I, I've spoken about this on, on Patreon. I haven't really spoken about it here, but I have a huge dental situation on my hands that I have to come up with $8,000 of cash for, and then now my taxes are due, and that's going to be a, a big, chunky bill. And um, so just financial things mainly are what keep hitting me. I, in addition to this, my very best friends have all these strange, like tragic things happening to them and just random weird things. My sister just had, she was pumping gas and someone stole her purse out of her car when she turned to talk to a friend and it had everything in it because it's a long, 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 long story. 
But it had, she's a real estate agent, so it had closing papers for three homes that she was closing on. It had both her kids' birth certificates in it. It had $1,000 worth of cash because they were about to go to a soccer tournament. She needed all these things. And and then, of course, like her ID. It was just like, and when that happened, I was like, this is wild because all the people in my life this year that I'm close to have had either just super tragic, strange things going on with their kids or just like these strange financial like surprises. So I've been talking about like the squeeze, the squeeze. I feel like the universe is giving me the squeeze. And I feel like for a lot of us, this year started that way. So hopefully spring equinox will be a bit of a pressure relief. I'm hoping that the metaphor, like what the spring equinox is all about, will impact our experience of life. Those of us that are having, that are having these challenges. I'll read, where did I put this? Nicole, a therapist and yoga instructor. She, I'm not going to tell you her last name or where she lives because I don't know if she's okay with me reading this to you, (laughs) but she wrote, dear Joanna, sometimes I will pick a podcast as a sort of divination exercise, allowing whatever messages spirit has to come through the words of the speaker. And so, And as so often in the case, your words went straight to my heart and out through my tear ducts. Faith. Faith in all caps. Whew, I've been feeling the universe squeeze as well. And this is, this was exactly what I wasn't being honest with myself about. My lack of faith is due to the fear of being heartbroken. Again, so simple, but I needed to hear it from you. So thank you and much love to you. Thank you, Nicole, for reflecting that back at you. And to all of those who have written to me saying something really, really similar. I just told, I just shared Nicole's because I thought it was succinct and right to the heart of it. But I heard from a lot of you about faith and the things that you're going through in your own life. So let's just all take a moment right now <laughs> to tune into the fact that here in in the in the northern hemisphere spring equinox is on its way and this is a time for renewing your faith. And that is why I am excited about it because I've been doing a lot of work around this. I honestly feel that that was a little bit of public shadow work when I actually was talking about my faith. And I don't know if you could hear it, but I was like kind of talking through crying at one point and I just decided to keep going and not even acknowledge that the tears were falling down my face. I just kept talking through it and it felt like something came up that was a liberation of sorts. And to me, that's what good shadow work feels like and that I had really hit on something that say was when I was saying that my... That little tiny piece where I felt like I couldn't get totally on board and have complete faith in the outcome I desired, that it was a fear of being disappointed and a fear of getting my heart broken. I have since thought a lot about it and thought too, I think it's also a little bit about not being made a fool of. And I feel like that in general, I think, about magic and the law of attraction and and stuff like that. So I I did a lot of work around that, and I I definitely feel my faith is restored. And as the queen of my own life, this is something that I can always, always grab onto, even if 
my faith in a higher power becomes shaky is I have faith in myself. Once I really connect to having faith in myself to keep showing up and to be able to survive whatever comes my way and to keep a good attitude and to keep looking for the opportunity, that is really strengthening for me. So those of you who are looking to do a little bit of psycho-spiritual work around the spring equinox, I have made you a discount code, as I often do for the psycho-spiritual wheel of the year. Can you guess what it is? What, hmm, what could it be? <laughs> you get $20 off when you put in at checkout the word FAITH. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you one bit. So if you want that, there's a link. And when you put the word faith in, it will it will pull that up. Let me look at what is in this in this module you get. Well, you get the introduction to the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year PDF if you've never received that, if you haven't received that yet. Uh, but then you get the longer PDF for the spring equinox, which is it's broken down into segments. So one of the segments is the balance of light and dark. Another segment is the promise of new life. Here's the really big one. Seeds of faith. Seeds of faith is another. Planted with action is another. And then this one is very challenging depending on where you live in the world. So sometimes people save this for Beltane um, because it depends on how much Snow is on the ground. But if you live in California or a climate like California, you'll probably really enjoy it. It's a rewild yourself challenge. And then every one of these modules comes with a Crafty Witch project, which is presented as a video. This is one of my favorites. I do this every year with my kid. I love it. It is the Magic Garden Egg. And and then there is a a potion craft called... The wild green smoothie. So that's that. That's that. Uh, let's talk about faith. Let's talk about faith. Well, actually, I'm not done. I want to talk about the spring equinox just in the context of astrotheology for those of you who like to celebrate Easter and or bring Easter symbolism into the spring equinox or vice versa. Bring spring equinox vibage into Easter. Some of you call it Ostara. And uh, to me, they're just all kind of one in the same. And I, I take whatever feels true and right to me that can fluctuate from year to year. But because of my background, Christian Mennonite brethren, fundamentalism, <laughs> you know, like, Easter's a big thing in my family, and it has been my whole life. And something I'm sure you've noticed is I, you know, I talk about Jesus a lot, but I'm a witch. It's very strange. But I have found that that learning to make friends with Jesus as a witch, something about that has been so empowering for me. I'm not going to preach about Jesus here. Don't you worry. I do have I do have a, a faith-related Jesus story to tell you that is very, very good. But something about that feels like going back to my roots. And there's so much emphasis in going like way back, like, you know, tracing your ancestral roots and all of that. But I think perhaps 
For many of us, it's even more potent to go back to the roots of your childhood, whatever that was for you, particularly if you grew up practicing a religion, celebrating certain holidays, or doing things seasonally with your family, things that you associate, like to tap back into that. If your dad used to play ball with you out on the lawn, you know, every summer, making a point of doing that with your kid every summer, just to like tap into the roots. If like you had a thing like I did about Jesus, I definitely had a two-way conversation going my entire childhood with Jesus. Like I believed and I loved Jesus. So circling back on that, without becoming a Christian, but tapping back into that same energy has been incredibly empowering for me. And that is why I talk about it. It's just personal to me. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of you can relate because so many of us grew up that way in, you know, in the West, but find what that is for you. And if you're looking to just celebrate a strictly pagan wheel of the year, that is awesome. If, but also, again, like see maybe if you can like grab some things from your own childhood to infuse into that wheel to make it a little more potent. And I think sometimes that can be really helpful. Astro theology is basically the worship of the heavens. And it is my belief that... Well, I think two things. I, I, I believe all our modern religions are born of astrotheology with a little side helping of entheogenic plants. And uh, that would be psychedelics for those of you who are like, what's an entheogenic? Entheogenic is more about, it's just, a, uh, <laughs> it's a more respectful way of calling the plant like a divine bringer of messages and things like that, where a psychedelic, a lot of people don't like that term because it took on a negative connotation and the swing in 60s and all of that. But that's basically what I'm talking about. I do believe that like the shamans back in the day, they would work with these entheogenic plants and have all of these like out there ideas that they would then bring back to the people. And that is why they were so revered, because they would have these amazing spiritual insights. I think beyond even the spiritual, I think they probably had a lot of practical insights, like we shall not trek into that valley, <laughs> you know, like they probably had some pretty cool uh, precognition going on there, things like that. So I, I think it was a combination, but the structure, when you look at a lot of even the most Abrahamic religions, it's very astro-theological, especially when you get into walking the wheel of the year. Because if you look at the wheel of the year, like you just, so many of us do, you draw a circle, you put the eight, you know, Wiccan spokes on the wheel of the year and you look down at it. The wheel of the year is primarily, not everybody does um, all eight spokes. Some people just do the four the two solstices and the two equinoxes. That's what I, I celebrate with my son. We do the solstices and the equinoxes because he can really understand or relate to that. So, you know, winter solstice is the longest night of the year. Summer solstice is the longest day of the year. And then the equinoxes are equal day and equal night. So he loves that. He's, he is really into planets and the moon and the sun and all that stuff. So it's a really fun thing to celebrate with him. But if you look at the wheel of the year that way, you just make a circle on the page and you put a line to represent the winter solstice to the summer solstice 
dividing the circle in half straight down the page, and then you put horizontal to that, you know, the spring and the fall equinox making a line to that, you get a cross. You get a cross. And when we're talking about astrotheology, we're talking about all these religious things being based, these, these religious metaphors and myths being based on real events that, that happen up in the sky. <laughs> and, and we're like, we're a part of it. You know, we're in, we're in space with all of this. So there's a cross formed, right? And Jesus died on a cross and then he rose again. And Jesus is the son of God, son, S-U-N. And the equinox is so much about the rising sun. It's a time of the year, depending on where you live in the world, where you literally, you know, start seeing the sun rising earlier and earlier and earlier in the day and hanging out longer and longer and longer. Um, The date, the actual date of Easter Sunday now, which Christians celebrate, is the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after March 21st. Like, does that sound so witchy? <laughs> like, why do they care about the full moon, huh? That sounds very pagan to me. <laughs> so I think it's important to note that, like, when, you know, I think this is an awesome bridge for people who love their Christian families and want to enjoy the holidays with them, but that, but that don't share the same beliefs. Like just in your own mind, you know, when they're talking about Jesus rising again, the son of God, in the back of your mind, you can just have a little giggle about it and be like, hey, 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 son of God, <laughs> the son, the sun is literally rising, you know, and it's about survival when you think, you know, about the darkness, right? Darkness was extremely dangerous for humans way back in the day, ancient humans, just by the simple fact that the night made it hard to see and defend themselves from predators at each other, which you might argue are like the most dangerous predators in the world, human on human. Predatory behavior, we're still seeing it to this day. In some ways, you just think, have, have we evolved at all or has just our technology evolved? We do strange things to each other, my friends. Um, and then also the darkness, again, depending on where you live in the world, it often brought a dramatic drop in temperature, which was dangerous, dangerous. So the sun rising again, seeing the son of God as a savior is, is so literal. And, you know, just the daily rising of the sun is like, oh, thank God we get another day. But also I'm freezing to death and, and, and there's a predator in the bushes who the sun is going to chase away, right? And then on a more macro level, as the longest night of the year, solstice slowly gives away to the returning sun of spring, The sun was a kind of seasonal savior, like bringing new life, bringing fresh food, uplifted spirits, much-needed warmth, horniness, (laughs) all the things. It's like life, life coming back. You know, Aries is seen as the astrological new year when the sun moves into Aries. And it's just this new, new, new everything. And 
it's just, it has that savior energy to it. So I did not mean to go off on this whole thing, like right at the beginning of this episode where I wanted to talk about faith, but I think about these things, you know, and sometimes I just get going on a jag like that. Um, so <laughs> to survive the harsh winter, as so many of, I mean, what would happen? Think about snowpocalypse and all these things that happen all across the United States, right? Where, I mean, it's super dangerous. They tell you don't even go outside because it could kill you to breathe, to take a deep breath in, right? What would you do without technology? Many, many, many people died back in the day before, you know, technology gave them these unnatural habitats, really, you know, with heat and light, we can have light year round, but it's interesting to tap into like what it really means to be human in the elements when you start thinking about those things. So to survive through a winter like that without any technology to save your ass, it was an act of grace uh, or an accomplishment. You know, if like a good little squirrel, you saved up all fall so you could make it through winter. It was really worth celebrating and something to look forward to when when the springtime finally came around. So I'm wondering if I should just launch into my Jesus story or, or if that was a little bit too much Jesus for you. <laughs> How about this? How about I first thank all the amazing people who have joined me on Patreon, all of you, all of you, anybody who has ever supported me on Patreon, Thank you so much. I've been telling you guys that I'm working on paying my rent and my health insurance in full every month through Patreon, which is $2,500 a month. It seems like a very far out goal from where I'm standing right now, but I have faith that I will get there. If I keep mentioning it, I, I, I feel like I will get there eventually, and I want to thank, give a special shout out to the new patrons that have joined me there, Emily Barrett, Melissa, forgive me if I'm saying anybody's name wrong too, because it's hard to translate sometimes from the page out my face. So <laughs> I'll do my best. Emily Barrett, Melissa Shalali, Shalala, Brooke Birchfield, Donna Emmon, Haley Eugster, maybe, Kelly Ensminger. Thalia Calderon, Conseco, Brittany Hill, and Cynthia Hogan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for supporting me on Patreon. I hope you love all the bonus content there. I love hanging out with you all. That is for sure. I'm having a lot of fun over on Patreon this year, especially because I feel like I've been talking about all the spiritual practices that I've been leaning, leaning into since having that wobbly faith moment, it's interesting how it was like, all right, now we're bringing back the chanting and the channeling and all the things that I need to surround myself with to feel empowered and to feel like I'm okay. So there's all of that. <laughs> so uh, before I continue, I'll tell you my Jesus story. I think it's amazing. I... It's interesting because the, the spirit guide that I work with, I've told this story many times, but it told I had been working with a spirit guide for, at this point, decades. And now, 
when I look at it through this lens, probably my whole life. But I had been working with one specific spirit guide for decades when one day I asked what its name was and to make a long story short it said Pisces I thought that was very weird because I wasn't really into astrology at that point and I was not a Pisces I didn't have any Pisces like prominent in my chart that I knew of and I was like uh okay what's this Pisces business and then a little bit later it occurred to me that the fish sign for Pisces not only did is Pisces, did supposedly Jesus is the ruler of Pisces or the the spiritual the spiritual thought leader of the of of, of Pisces, but the fish symbol re- represents Christians and and that you know like Jesus dwells here and all of that and so it gave me like pause to be like wait a minute. Have I been talking to Jesus this entire time? Like when I first started channeling in my mid-20s and this energy was coming through that was so loving and kind and supportive and helpful. Was I just tapping into that same energy that I grew up talking to and believing in and loving with all my heart when I was a little kid? And then when I asked for what the name of the spirit guide was, did did the spirit guide just know me so well that it knew if it said Jesus, I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, what? No. (laughs) Like I was not ready to hear that name, Christian anything at that point. So sometimes I think Pisces is Jesus. I don't know. But it's interesting how I tap into that energy all the time, constantly. But it the shit really has to hit the fan before I actually will like call on Jesus. Like I'll actually say a prayer to Jesus. And and I swear this is true. He always comes through in a really magical, powerful way. And because I know this, you think I would do it all the time. But I I don't know. I'm a witch. Like I, I don't like that's not the first thing I reach for, right? A really funny story about that is when my friend Kathy Schinzel came on the podcast to talk about this magical property that they're building in the woods. I She's a pretty reserved private person and a good friend of mine, and I had been bugging her to come on the podcast for a long time, and I finally got her on the podcast. We did the interview. It went very well. I, I loved the way the interview turned out. I was super happy about it, and then when I went to edit it, I could not, it would only like play like a few minutes of the interview and then the rest just went silent every time I talked. So you would hear Kathy going, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. And then she would talk. And it was just awful because there was no context and I I knew she would kill me if I just posted that. And it, it wouldn't have been any good anyway. So I think it was a total of 12, 12 hours. This is my my Scorpio moon. I'm very, very like driven. And I dig and I dig and I dig and I don't take no for an answer. It took me 12 answers, 12 answers, 12 hours of trying to figure out how to fix this, clicking on every... I'm not technologically inclined at all. I had no idea why this was happening. I made so many files, unnecessary files on my computer because I just kept trying to like move it into different places. I tried to upload it as a movie and name it. I tried everything I could possibly think of again and again and again. And there were all these files on my computer under various forms of the word Kathy. 
And then finally, I was just at my wit's end. I, I, like, And she was being very nice about it. Like, we can re-record it. Don't worry. But I could not let it go. And so finally, I think it was like super late at night or maybe the next morning. I can't remember. I was like, just one more time. Just one more time. And I jokingly, just because at that point, I was so like slap happy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I had just like spent way too much energy trying to make this happen, especially because Kathy was like, don't worry about it. Let's just redo it. Um, that I jokingly named the file the last, when I was like, this is it. This is the very last time I wrote, help me Jesus. That's what I named the file. I swear I didn't do anything different except for create another file in the same way I had already done so many times and it worked. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world is this? So uh, I'll tell you the other, the main story I wanted to tell you in in regards to Jesus. This just happened last week. It blew my mind. So I just told you guys I have $8,000 I have to come up like now for my de- this dental work. Like the clock is ticking on that. I need to get it done. And I have this big... Uh, tax bill that I have to pay. And there's just been a lot of weird like expenses that keep coming up in unexpected ways. And I'm jumping through the hoops and I'm making it happen. And then I took my car in because the check engine light came on on my car. I have I have a 2004 VW bug that I have named Tess after Tess McGill from Working Girl. I love my bug. I love her. <laughs> so I took her in And my mechanic did, there's like this little handheld computer thing that they can hook up to your car for, to give you diagnostic, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It tells you what's wrong with your car. It was pouring down rain. So this whole procedure took about three minutes. We're both standing in the pouring down rain (laughs) while he's doing this. And he says, it's your transmission. I was like, what? Because I know that's like the kiss of death. When you have a used car like mine, it's like if the transmission goes out, it's pretty much the same cost as just going and buying another used car. Like it, it can it can take you out of the game. And I was like, no. So I I said, what should I do? And he said, just drive. And I was like, drive. He goes, yeah, just drive till it gives out. And I was like, okay. I had to drive my son on the freeway the next day. I had made an appointment with uh, a transmission shop in my area that has amazing Yelp reviews. And, I mean, if you think about it, like, people are such dicks on Yelp. Like, their ego gets offended or their feathers get ruffled in some way or they think they're entitled to, like, 100% perfect service all the time. And if they don't get it, they go on Yelp and they, like, talk all this shit. And it was... They had, I think they had like one person who who went off like that. But I mean, review after review after review was like how amazing and how nice and thoughtful and and not at all scam artists that this particular transmission shop was. So I had made an appointment to go have them do a diagnostic. Again, I don't know what the proper terminology is to diagnose my car. And they do the whole thing where they like test drive it and they take it all apart and they look at everything. And so I, I made that appointment, but in in between that appointment and me making the appointment, I had to drive my son down the freeway <laughs> to <laughs> Castake, which is far away. And my car 
nothing was wrong with my car that I could tell. Nothing, like the mechanics at both places kept saying like, well, what's wrong with it? And I said, nothing. The check engine light is on. But I, nothing is wrong. I don't hear anything wrong with my car. And they're like, oh, well, maybe it's just a glitch or something. I don't know. But when I got on the freeway, I knew it wasn't a glitch because the car did this thing where, you know how when you're getting on the freeway, your car's like, and then you get on the freeway and then it like settles down to a normal sound. Well, it stayed like, <laughs> it wouldn't shift. And it stayed like that all the way to Castaic. And then on the way home, I took like side roads because it seemed if I was driving on a side road, the car was fine. It just didn't want to go freeway speeds. So I was very upset about this. And so what did I do? I prayed to Jesus, please, Jesus, please. Because I know transmissions are thousands and thousands of dollars. It's like, please tell, like, I, help me. I don't have the money for this. I have zero dollars for this. Can you please give me a miracle? Just give me a miracle. Show me the way. Show me what to do. I will follow the bread, breadcrumb trail. It was like a prayer like that. So I took it in. They said, uh, for those of you who are interested in cars, the car, apparently, we don't know how long this was going on because I drive like a granny, but the car never apparently was in first gear. It was just jumping straight to second gear and then third gear went out. So that's why it couldn't ride on the freeway because it was in second gear on the freeway trying to reach up to fourth. So it only had second and fourth gear. And to make a long story short, I need a new transmission. And that broke down into $4,000. I'm rounding up a few bucks. $4,000 for a new transmission. $33 for, a, for them to rebuild the transmission. And then they said, or we don't do this here. You could maybe go get a used transmission somewhere for $2,500. That's about what it costs. And I was like, that's awesome because I have $0. <laughs> and I told the guy that. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I was leaving the shop and he goes, do you know, he goes, do you have a minute? Can I, can I show you something? And I was like, Okay. And we walked around the back of the shop to where they have 100 cars parked, just tons and tons of cars, like, stacked deep into the parking lot. And we went to the corner, and in the very corner, there was my car. It was an exact identical match of my car. Same exact color, same exact year, same exact make. It even had the same weathering on the top of the car. <laughs> I was like, if you would have given me the keys to that car, I would have just walked in and... and turned it on thinking it was my car. It was very weird. And he goes, that is the owner's bug. We put a brand new transmission in that bug like a year ago, but then the motor burnt out. And, and so now it's just been sitting there for a year. And he's like, we keep bugging him to get bugging him, bugging him. It's a bug. Get it. We keep bugging him to like do something with this, but maybe this is just all meant to be because that's a brand new transmission. And I don't know if he'll agree to this or not. You'll have to talk to him about it. But I think he'd probably sell that to you for like a really good price and and maybe even give you the warranty because it literally is a brand new transmission. And then, you know, we could do the work here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. OK, I still have zero dollars. <laughs> That's awesome. So on my way home, 
I decided to call Tanner's dad. Me and Tanner financially, my son, we are completely alone. I'm alone financially. I do this on my own. And I just felt like he should help us. (laughs) He should help us. This is Tanner's dad. So I wrote him really nice. I tried to call him, but I was kind of choked up. And so I, I wrapped it up really quick. And then I reiterated it all in a text like, hey, do you want to help your kid and I stay in a car? Uh, You know, the transmission's out. I really don't know how I'm going to fix it. And, you know, we could really use your help. Minutes later, before I even reached my home and was keying into the back door, I got a text from him that simply said, check your account, because he has my bank account number. And I was like, okay, I didn't want to get too excited, but I went and I checked and he had put $3,000 in my bank account without making me feel like a fool or a loser. He didn't make me beg for it. I didn't have to negotiate. I didn't have to build a case. It just happened so easily. And I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) I I have been fine following the bread trails. It's just all started seeming so I'll wrap the story up here, but I all, you know, I prayed to like, show me the way, please guide me, show me the way. And I, the whole thing felt very, very guided to me. The guy that, that owns the, the other VW, he's a pastor on the weekends, which cracked me up because I'm like, I'm praying to Jesus. This guy is a pastor. He has a son or a a brother with severe mental, uh, what does he have? Severe mental retardation is how he described it. And so he's asking me about my son having autism and giving me all this advice for, you know, how, how to get these different services and stuff like that. We really hit it off. So that was just a side bonus, but it felt very guided. Like I felt guided to this place and it was just so surreal to be, to have this guy like walk me around to the back of the parking lot and, even the guy that owns the bug, he kept saying, like, this is a very strange, unique situation. And I was like, it is. So they're going to, for the price of installing a used transmission in my car, I'm going to get a brand new transmission with a warranty. So how do you like that? I should add to um, that price that I quoted you. <laughs> I'm quoting prices. <laughs> I forgot to mention the wheel bearings are out on both sides of my car. And he said that that was very, very dangerous. So that added $600 to the price. So there you have it. <laughs> are you all bored to death with me talking about the details of my car? Faith. Faith. And that was about... Me reaching out to something greater than myself, and I'm a person, I get very, I don't know, I go back and forth between thy will and my will. Like, I do believe that we are each extensions of the divine, that the divine is the great creator, and we are like the micro versions of that. We are all little creators. We are meant to create our lives on purpose, That's why I love magic so much. But there are definitely two camps of teachers and authors that I love. One camp emphasizes this this idea of surrender and 
It could be surrender to your soul's will or surrender to divine will. And that that will is what you need to follow, not your own will, not your ego's will, right? And then there's this other more like left-hand path that is like, no, your will is divine will. So I go back and forth. I think maybe it's a, a little bit of a combination. I feel like your will is divine will because you've been given free will to create your life. And that the more faith you can build up in yourself by, for example, practicing magic, every success you have builds your faith a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. That's awesome. But when your faith starts to wobble, or you need a little bit of a miracle, like something outside the norm, I feel like there is some force, spirit guides, divine, God, maybe even Jesus, I don't know, that is there to catch you in those times, sometimes. So that's just my rambly take on it. It is Saturn's day while I am recording this, and I, I feel myself just launching into all these super rambly stories. I hope you're enjoying this because I don't have time to edit it. So <laughs> it's going to be, let's call it a Saturn's day evening post, although I don't know if I can actually get it up today, but we'll see what happens. Um, the last guest I had here on the podcast, Joel, he is basically a faith healer. I don't know if he calls himself that, but that is what he does. And I got some interesting messages after that episode went up about faith healing. And people, you know, some people think it's it's a scam. And that's that's why too when I when I did that interview, I liked Joel a lot. But it had all of these like disclaimers, like this is not an endorsement. I'm just sharing, you know, like another perspective. And and I like Joel, so here's his perspective. So after I got a couple of messages like, oh, I don't know about this, Joe, I created a poll on Twitter asking asking the public, like, what is your take on faith healing? And 53 people answered the poll. So I will tell you how that breaks down. 9% said it's all a complete scam. 62% said it depends on the healer. 26% said I can heal myself, thanks. And 3% said I believe take my money. So the comments down below were really, really interesting below that poll. So I thought I would read those to you if you don't mind. You can't protest right now because right now this is a one-way conversation. <laughs> so you'll have to write me and let me know what you think. But Kathy said, it is all focused energy. The person laying on their hands is nothing without the faith of the receiver. Dawn said, I believe in faith healing as a component or as a complement to a holistic regimen. Claire, aka the magical Christian, said, I think it depends on the power of belief. Belief is so powerful, and I am not above thinking that God, spirit, whoever, anoints some people. I would give it a go. Like, what is the difference between that and Reiki? And I thought that was a really interesting point that she made with the Reiki, because so many people that are witches practice Reiki. So many people in the New Age community, people that are very law of attraction-y, they practice Reiki. But then those same people sometimes will get their back up about the term faith healer. And uh, so I thought that was really, that made me perk up that comment. 
Sandy said, it's going to be down to the healer and the person being healed because they're essentially doing it together. So I think there's a lot of agreement there with my own opinion that faith and belief can do amazing things. I really, truly, strongly believe that belief, what you truly believe in your subconscious at a shadow level is creating your life for you. That's a key piece that I think the law of attraction misses a lot. A lot of the teachings around the law of attraction, it sounds like you can just do this all with your conscious mind, but the subconscious is so much bigger and more powerful than the subcon- than the conscious mind. So I think investigating your beliefs is really, really powerful when you are a practitioner of magic. That's why I went back down into the depths to be like, I don't think I'm fully on board with this here. My faith feels wobbly and I'm trying to like magic a very important result for myself here. And I I, I didn't feel good about doing that because I could feel that little tiny wobble of faith. That's why I went investigating. Okay. So more Envy Augustine. She wrote a really long thing that I think is interesting. I'll read the whole thing. She said, depends on the healer. Most good healers know most of what they're doing is empowering others to heal themselves and holding space and intention while they do. I think this works the best on psychosomatic pain manifestation, but also think anyone seeing a faith healer should also be seeing licensed medical practitioners as there is no ethics board for faith healing, especially for physical illness. I think the spiritual and emotional bodies are integral to physical healing, but we need current medical science for that as well. Anyone flat out claiming that they can cure cancer, etc., purely through faith, I would steer clear of. And then Soren, Soren didn't mess around. He just like was, he was just super blunt. He said, it's a total and complete scam. It's like selling diet water. And when asked the difference, it's $7. Uh, There's a couple more. I'm going to read them all. Why not? Anna said, at present time, I think the faith healers paraded on TV, etc. are scammers. I like to keep an open mind and wouldn't claim absolutely that I know it's all false. I think hands-on can heal states of mind and thus possibly heal symptomatic physical ailments. I don't think it can heal serious disease. I don't agree with claims to heal cancers, etc., and think it's unethical to divert patients from life-saving medical care. We just had a big case of that here in Los Angeles. I think it was a little boy. He died because he needed insulin, and a healer told his parents to give him these herbs instead, and, and it killed him in, an, in less than a day. It was a big case. They got in trouble for that. It was very sad. It's sad because those parents are trying to help their son. They're, they're doing the best they can, you know, but sometimes we put our faith in false methods. So it's all, I don't know, it's all very tricky, I guess, when you start looking at like layers of faith and belief and all of that. Like some people would be like, but did the child have the faith? I don't know. Give the kid his insulin. <laughs> uh, Michelle, Michelle Simpkins said, all I know is faith healing in my mom's church was starting startlingly like Reiki. 
Here we are with the Reiki again, right? My mother's hands even got super hot, as as mine do when I do Reiki. It didn't always work, but then not every form of energy healing does what we hope it will do. My opinion is the energy is available to anyone, and both the healer and the recipient have choice in how it will be used. It's like sunlight or rain falls on the whole earth, and you can choose to direct it. You can choose to deflect it or absorb it. So uh, I think that's just, I wanted to include that little conversation there on faith healing here because I think it's really demonstrative of what I'm talking about with faith. Like, do you have enough faith to change a physical condition in your life? I think a lot of people would hear my transmission story and be like, oh, well, that's a lot of nice coincidences, right? But it didn't feel that way to me. The feeling tone of it was I was being guided and it all felt very spooky and surreal. And I just had a sense of trust. I wouldn't normally walk around, you know, like if a man was like, hey, do you have a minute? I'd like to show you something. And then we're like walking around the back of the building and then there's no people around and we're going back to where all these cars are. I felt, I just trusted him. I felt very open. I felt very safe. And I just was like, I'm following the breadcrumbs. Here we go. All right, Jesus. All right, I'm following the breadcrumbs. <laughs> there's a... um. I collect things when I have a subject on the mind, you know, so I'll collect a lot of quotes from people that I just randomly run across on. And there was a a guy named Justin McRoberts, who I know nothing about. I think he's a musician and an author. Um, But there was a quote of his on Twitter that I saved for this very moment. He said, there simply will not be a season in which I feel fully prepared and strengthened for the work I want to do. This makes my every step a work of faith. So may I have the faith to give whatever yes I have in me today and let tomorrow bring its question tomorrow. I love that, like walking from one step of faith to the next step of faith to the next step of faith. Uh, My stepdad, who has enormous faith in Jesus, he is a missionary, he said of the whole transmission thing and why all this stuff is happening to me, like with my my teeth and all this financial like upheaval all of a sudden out of the blue, he said that he believes God creates these situations in order to bring us closer to him. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know. I got to see Mitch Horowitz speak here at the Philosophical Research Society, which I highly recommend visiting if you ever come to Los Angeles. The Philosophical Research Society is badass. It's this little, it's a library in Las Feliz here that Manalee P. Hall set up a long time ago with these super old books. I think the inside of the library, it looks a lot like The Ninth Gate. If you've ever seen the movie The Ninth Gate, this is like a little mini version of that with all of these super old books is super groovy and cool. And then they have these kind of corny, but still cool (laughs) statues outside. I think they have a statue of Anubis. And I had just interviewed Mitch here on the podcast for his book, The Miracle Club, which is very much in alignment that that book, The Miracle Club is 
I mean, it has so much to do with faith. I highly recommend reading it. If you haven't read it yet, it's a really interesting book. And the emphasis is really on experimentation, which, which I like. After talking to Mitch on the podcast, I started watching some of his interviews, or excuse me, his le- lectures on the internet. And I was like, wow, he's such a great speaker. And and then come to find out he was coming to Los Angeles. So my friend Amber and I went to go see him give a presentation on Hermes. It was Hermes Resurrected. And at, during the Q&A session afterward, I got to ask him about his own faith because he's such a digger. He He's an occultist. He loves to read and study up on all of these different occult um, practices all through the ages. He's written a lot of books himself. Um, he's written a, the forewords to a lot of new agey, occulty kind of books. And he's really into Neville Goddard and people like that. But also, it, I, when you do digging like that, I have found, because I am also a digger, that you can kind of I enjoy looking for the thread of truth that runs through all things, but also you can find a lot of contradictory information, which can shake your faith a little bit, right? Especially if somebody's a really great author, or they have a very convincing way of presenting the facts of what they believe. So I asked him, I said, do you find that, you know, you're a very intellectual person and you're always digging, digging, digging into all these occult things? Do you find that that has strengthened or weakened your faith? And his answer gave me a lot of relief because I felt so seen. That's how the Miracle Club made me feel. The Miracle Club was validating for me. I don't know that there was anything super new in that book for me. It was validating all of the things that... I believe and and have played around with over the years. It was a very validating book, and I enjoyed it for that. It felt good to hear this guy that I respect, like, saying all these things. And it felt good to hear his answer about faith. He said that he feels like he walks, he walks the line between a lack of faith and complete faith. Like he goes back and forth, but that he actually really likes the tension between the two. So sometimes he has like absolute faith, you know, and that's when like the magic is happening and it's all really exciting. And then other times he goes through these periods of doubt and questioning him like, oh my gosh, are all these people that are reading my books and listening to my lectures, am I leading them astray? Like maybe this is all bullshit, you know, and he goes back and forth and back and forth. And he was saying how much he enjoys the actual tension between the two. And I was just like, yes. I feel the same way. <laughs> so I was really excited to, to get to, a- to ask him about that. I think at the very least, it's important to build faith in yourself, like I was saying. You know, if your faith is shaky around like, does the universe really have my back? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like it does. And you're like, the universe has my back. (laughs) You're posting that shit on social media. (laughs) And then other times things happen and you're like, I'm all alone. All of this new agey stuff is bullshit. Well, at the very least, you can be the king or the queen of your own life and develop faith in yourself. And you do that by taking action on your own behalf one step at a time. And you, you build it by proving to yourself that, you know, when bad things happen, you're not going to drop out. You're not going to freeze. 
You're not going to avoid the situation. You're going to hop into action and you're going to always have your own back. The more times you do that, the more faith in yourself you can build. And I think that's a really important thing to mention. I also want to include here, again, like synchronicity. When I have these things on the brain, it just seems like articles like pop up into my line of vision and quotes and things like that. And Tim Ferriss has a blog post called Fear Setting, the most valuable exercise I do every month. And of course, I clicked on that. Um, It was on Twitter. And it led to his TED Talk where he talks about this practice called fear setting. And I'm sure you can find it if you go to YouTube and you put in TED Talk and Tim Ferriss, or you can find on his blog, just put in fear setting. It it includes this exercise that I wanted to share with you. I don't think he'll mind. It's a pretty simple exercise that he calls fear setting. He recommends you do it at least once quarterly. That's what he does. Quarterly, he does this fear setting instead of goal setting to identify what his fears are so that he can actually address them and move through them. And I really wanted to share this because I wanted to leave you with a practical way to build your own faith, your faith in yourself. If, if you're not able to have faith in a higher power or maybe in, a, in addition to having faith in a higher power, at the very least, you can build faith in yourself by working with this concept called fear setting. So you create, it's three lists, basically. The, the first one is you just write down, what if I... What is the thing that you're scared of? What is the thing you're afraid of, right? What if I blah, 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 I I try to do this thing and then this happens. And then you list all the worst case scenarios, the worst things that could happen if you take that action. The thing that you're afraid to do, the thing that you've been procrastinating on, like what if you did that thing? What is the worst case scenario that could result And so you write those things down. And then the next list, the next question is, what can I do to prevent those worst case scenarios from happening? And you get really, really detailed and specific. You write like plans down. Usually the worst case scenario things don't actually happen, but but they could. It's possible, right? It depends on how wild your imagination is and how realistic your answers are, I suppose. But then what can you do to prevent them? So you're preparing yourself, right? How can you prevent those things from happening? What actions can you take right now? And then the third thing is the cost of inaction. And he recommends that you get super, super detailed and really dig into this as well. If, if you avoid making the decision or taking that action that you're afraid of, what will be the consequence? What is the cost of inaction? This is very deep for me because of the flight, fight, or fear, or excuse me, the flight, this is turning into a tongue twister, (laughs) flight or fight. There's a third one, freeze, flight, fight, or freeze. I'm a freezer. I freeze. I don't know what to do. So I do nothing. So this last one, the cost of 
inaction is really powerful for me. And there's a little fortune cookie quote that he included in that article that I think really sums up this final category, the cost of inaction. It says, many a false step was made by standing still. Don't stand still. Don't stay in motion. Be be the captain of your fate, the master of your soul, however that goes. <laughs> Build faith in yourself. I hope that I hope that that little exercise helped. Again, go check out Tim Ferriss. Look at his TED Talk uh, and on YouTube, and and if you want to hear him explain the whole story behind that and why he does the fear setting. So this is our episode today. If you want to do the spring equinox and you want the $20 off, be sure you put the code FAITH in at checkout. Follow the link around here. And then because we're ending these episodes with music, with rock and roll, I'm going to share a song from the band The Movies. The Movies. I don't know what is with all my favorite bands in L.A., during this time when I myself was in a band in L.A., the bands that I looked up to and admired and thought were such hot stuff, it was always amazing to me that they all had to have day jobs. And <laughs> the, the lead singer of, of the movies, Timothy James, he was actually a sound engineer at a place that my band got a residency at, and he did our sound. I don't know if he did all four shows that we had on that residency or not, but he, he at least did a couple. And it seemed so beneath him to me because he was, he was the lead singer of the movies. Like, how is this happening? <laughs> and their band was way better than ours, way more popular. They wore, won all kinds of awards, and they were always, you know, part of the cool festivals here in Los Angeles, which is saying a lot because there's... They say there's like 10,000 bands go playing live in the city, you know, during any given season, basically. There's so many bands here trying to make it. So to reach the level that the movies made it, where they have like the cool kids status and they play a show and everyone comes out and knows all the songs, like that's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. And they have quite a few songs that I love. I think the song I want to play for you is from a record called American Oil. And it's a song I've played before. If not here, I've played it in a video or two of mine for sure. It's called Rock in the Slingshot. I also love the, a song they have called, um, I think it's just called Nom or When I Was in Nom. There's a song called Jacaranda. The bass player was a girl, a woman. And uh, back in the day when we went to go see them play a super packed show at Spaceland in Silver Lake. They were kind of like the kings of of kings and queen, I should say, of Silver Lake. They were they were a big deal back in the day. And Spaceland was like the important club to play. It's now called the Satellite. Um, but when we went to go see them, I was very enchanted by the bass player because she had a very herky jerky way of moving her body and like doing this dance thing while she was playing bass. It was pretty interesting, but. Anyway, without any further ado, here they are, the movies, with the song Rock in the Slingshot. And until we meet again, happy spring! Much love! Peace! Whoop, wait, hold on, I was wrong. In bringing up this song, I just saw that it's not from the record American Oil, which is also a very good record. It is from a record called Oh You Pretty Things! Oh You Pretty Things! Okay. 
All right, here it is, rocking the slingshot. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.